the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Well, we've been on living as a spiritual man. How many of you are getting blessed by that series? Living as a spiritual man. That's the series we are on, and I want you to come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. Next year is most, most likely I will walk you through the book of Ephesians. I will teach the whole book of Ephesians, and we'll be looking at certain key things. And some of these things I'm sharing with you are basics from there. Now, let's read it together. Now we have... Oh, please say it. Now we have... Okay, maybe, maybe we should pause and take it from verse number 10. Verse number 10. It, it will help us to have a, a good context. Verse number 10. But God has revealed them to us through his... For the Spirit searches all... Yes, the deep things of... Verse 11. Uh-huh. Okay. verse 12 now we have received not the spirit of a world but the spirit which is of that we might now take note see why you were given the spirit now we have received not the spirit of a world but the spirit of God that we might know the reason why you have the spirit is to know okay with things also we speak not in wisdom which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man, verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, when you got born again, you were given the Holy Spirit at birth. The moment you get born again, the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. He got you born again so he could inhabit you. Yeah. He's so testy in staying in you that he got you born again. Then he took his place in you. So the Holy Spirit lives in you. The moment you get born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit before any other gift. The most important thing you need the moment you get born again is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter was speaking in Acts 2 verse 38. He said, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because everything from the point of being born again, your progress, your success, everything about it from that point forward is predicated on the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. So it's important that we appreciate what is about. So we are looking at the spiritual man. Somebody say the spiritual man. A quick recap will help those who are joining for the first time. We looked at 
three kinds of men in the world. We talked about the natural man who is not born again. We talked about the carnal man who is born again but is not aligning his thinking and his behavior in line with his new identity. All right. Then we looked at the spiritual man who is the one who is born again. He knows he's born again and his thinking is lined up with what God expects of him. And we ask that of the three men the one that God expects us to be is the spiritual man. Somebody say the spiritual man. Yeah, God wants you to be a spiritual man. Every wife wants a spiritual husband. Every husband wants a spiritual wife. I mean, the drama was beautiful, just like Pastor James commented. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful drama. You will always be tempted to act like a natural man. In relationships, it will come. But if you're a spiritual man, you will always be restrained. So it's important we know who the spiritual man is. By and large, establishing as foundation, we say the spiritual man is saved. The spiritual man is in alliance with the Holy Ghost. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. The spiritual man is all of that. But we are looking at some core attributes. And we are all taking all of these from the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a saved church. It was a sanctified church. And it was the most problematic church in all of scripture. Most of Paul's letters had to do with solving problems. All kinds of, and because it was a wild church. Somebody say a wild church. The Corinthian church was a wild church. Every kind of sin imaginable was there. And yet, every kind of manifestation of the Holy Spirit was there. That was a very powerful church. Most people think that if a church is good, you won't find sinners in in fact, if you meet a church where there are no sinners, it is not a church. Because you can meet a hospital where there are no patients. In a proper hospital, there will always be an inpatient. Unless it's a mini wayside clinic. But in a proper hospital, people are coming, people are going out. Some are inpatient, some are outpatient. But there is always some patient of a sort. I'm not communicating here. And it's important that we appreciate that. So that when people come to church and sometimes they meet somebody and something comes up, they say, ah, the church is a challenge. I'm not going to the church again. No, no, the Corinthian church had issues. But it was a solid church. Somebody said a solid church. And we are trying to understand why it was like that. The problem of the Corinthian church largely had to do with spirituality. It wasn't that the people were not saved. Everybody in the Corinthian church was saved, bound for heaven. But they had issues. They had serious issues. And it was because they were not walking in the consciousness of who they were. And so, we are looking at the spiritual man and we say one of the things that sets the spiritual man apart. He has many attributes. But one important attribute of a spiritual man is that he's a man of knowledge. Somebody say a man of knowledge. Say it aloud. He's a man of knowledge. The spiritual man has the Holy Spirit living in him. And by virtue of the Holy Spirit living in him or residence in him, he takes him from one level of knowledge to another. Hear me and hear me very well. If you want to grow in your walk with God, please and please never joke with the knowledge of the word of God. Knowledge is critical. Knowledge. The Bible said, therefore, my son, 2 Timothy 2.1, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be strong. Somebody say be strong. You have to be strong. You cannot be strong in God without being strong in grace. And you cannot be strong in grace without being strong in knowledge. Knowledge is critical. Second Peter 3 verse 18. He said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge. Somebody say grow in grace. 
When you grow in knowledge, you are growing in grace. The moment the revelation of Christ becomes real and real to you, then you begin to enjoy the grace of God the way you ought to enjoy it. 2 Peter 1, 2 and 3, he said, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through knowledge. Every time grace is talked about, oh, pastor, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I'm always confused. My mind is always wondering. You need peace. And peace comes when you know the knowledge of God's word concerning the issues you are dealing with. Is it not interesting that Apostle Paul was praying for the Ephesian church? It's amazing. And that is a prayer you must learn to pray for yourself. I pray for you as a pastor. That is a prayer I pray for you. And I pray for myself as a person or as a child of God also. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. He said, Wherefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints, I cease not. Somebody say, I cease not. Yeah. I see it's not. If I ask you, give me a prayer topic that you want me to pray for you daily, what will it be? Papa, I need a visa. Papa, I need a wife. Papa, I need a breakthrough. Papa, no. Paul said it wasn't about that. He said, I cease not to give thanks unto God for you. Why am I praying for you? Verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. Because when knowledge is in place, Listen, <laughs> the Christian who is in a church where they sing and sing and sing and sing and they close, prophesy, prophesy, and prophesy, and they close, he can never grow. You can never grow like that. Praise the Lord. You can never grow like that. You, when you grow, you don't look for who to prophesy to you, you prophesy to your destiny. Am I communicating at all? The foremost and the most authentic prophet of your destiny is you. And when you stand on the authority of the word of God and you begin to prophesy, there is no prophecy like it. Why? Because we have a more sure word of prophecy. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Please get it. He said, I don't cease because you need the spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of him. Then he said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. Verse 18, that you may know. Everywhere is no, no, no. The eyes of your understanding that you may know what is the hope. What is the hope? That you may know the hope of your calling, what the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 19, he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us all who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and has made him to sit. Somebody say, I'm seated. Mm. Seated at the right hand side of God in heavenly places. That's the place. That's where you are. And when you are in heavenly places, don't worry about earthly places. What is concerning them? Somebody say an amen. amen. So we establish that the spiritual man is a man of, say it aloud, is a man of, yeah. there is no way I can be comfortable in a church where the word of God is not taught. Precept upon precept. No, 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 no. And we said there are three great truths the spiritual man knows. One, he knows who he is in Christ. And two, he knows what Christ has done for, what he has in Christ. Somebody say he knows who he is in Christ. He knows what he has in Christ. And he knows what his response should be, what his loving response should be to all the things he has received in Christ. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know what you have in Christ. And you also need to know what Christ expects you to do in response to his love bestowed on you. We didn't exhaust, but I thought to some extent on who am I in Christ. We said, I'm a new creation. I'm a saint. 
I'm a child of God. I am the beloved of God. And then we moved on. So last week, we began looking at he knows what he has in Christ. Somebody say he knows what he has in Christ. And we said you need to know what you have in Christ for three reasons. One, it affects your potentials and possibilities. Somebody say my potentials and possibilities. And then it enhances the effectual working of your faith. If your faith is going to be effective, you need to know what you have in Christ. And then it frees you. Somebody say, it frees you. It frees you to serve God with joy and gratitude. When you know all that God has given to you in Christ, when you know all of that, you will always be grateful to God. You will always be excited about God. You see, the joy of salvation will never depart from your heart when you constantly remind yourself of the benefits of salvation. Do you understand what I said? I said the joy of salvation will never depart from your heart when you constantly remind yourself of the benefits of salvation. There are a lot of things we want in life. They are really not the most important things in life. You want a house. Do you know it's not the most important because you have a great house, but if you don't have peace, you can't stay in that house. Do you know that people are beautiful mansions, but they are being relocated to Pantai? Beautiful mansions, but they can't trust them to be there. So they have been hospitalized and chained to a bed because if they lose them, they have lost them for good. Are you with me here? That's what is important. And as we go through this, you come to appreciate that the best things of life you don't end them, you don't attain them, they are gifted to you. They are gifted to you in Christ. And those are the things we've been exploring. So, that's it. And last week, we began looking at, what do I have in Christ? Somebody say, what do I have in Christ? Yeah, you need to know that. You need to know that. Acts chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. Acts chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. The Bible says, so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Somebody say, what I do have. It's not just enough to know what you don't have. It's important you know what you have. Because what you don't have, you don't have, but what you have, you have. Yeah. Moses was crying, Lord, how do I deliver these people? The Egyptians are coming. He said, there's a rod in your hand. Stretch the rod. And that was deliverance. The woman who had no, he said, ah, that's all I have. I'm about to eat this and will die. No. He said, there's something you have in your house. Bring it. When they brought it forth, everything changed. What you have is the most important, no matter how insignificant it is. When you get to see what you have and value it. So in Philemon 1.6, he said that your faith will become effectual by acknowledging every good thing you have in Christ. Somebody say, I have good things in Christ. Look at that. He said that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement. It's there. Somebody sent you Momo. You have received it. You have to acknowledge it. Let him know you have received the thing. And we also have to acknowledge what we have received in Christ. And then we can enjoy the benefits of it. What have we received in Christ? Number one, in Christ, I have eternal life. Say it with me. In Christ, I have eternal life. Say it aloud. In Christ, I have eternal life. Yeah. That is John 3, 16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Eternal life is one of the major sources of controversy in the body of Christ. There are some who believe that you can lose salvation. There are some people who believe that uh, you, once saved, you are not saved always. But scripture does not give any back into it. God gives you the gift of eternal life and it's for life. Praise God. Are you with me here? That's what the Bible says. It says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Last week, I taught you three important facts about eternal life. One is a gift. Somebody says a gift. The reason why a lot of people are confused about eternal life and they don't know. And I don't want any member in our church to be confused when you die where you are going. Praise God. When you die, heaven is not a prayer point. Heaven is a place you are already there. The Bible says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So if you are not seated now, when you die, you don't have an address there. But once you are in Christ, you are seated in heavenly places. I mean, a lot of Christians have a lot of insecurity about where they will go. Once you believe in Christ, it's secure. The Bible says, whereby we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed. The docket is closed. <laughs> a gift is a gift. Most of the time, the reason why people are not sure where they are going is because they did one sin or the other. And that is always hunting them. And in this life, you have one sin or the other. Yeah. But that has no effect on that gift God gave you. Somebody say it has no effect. No, 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 no. no. It said by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't go to heaven by good works. That you tithe, that you gave this. No, 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 none of that. Faith in Christ is what secures your place. Somebody say my place is secure. And then we said, number two, it's a present reality. Somebody says it's a present reality. You are not going to get eternal life. You have eternal life now. He said, I write unto you later children that you may know that you have received eternal life. You have eternal life now. It's a present reality. Number three, I said it can never be lost. Somebody say it can never be lost. Say it can never be lost. Look at John chapter 10 verse 28 with me. That one I'll read it for you. Because it is so important. Amplify. He said, I give them eternal life. Somebody say, I give them. This is Jesus speaking. Give me the amplified version, please. I give them eternal life and they shall not lose it. They will never ever by any means perish. And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. You better say a better amen. No one. No one means no one. Today, I want to continue quickly. Give me Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 7, and then we'll pick up that point and we'll continue. Yeah. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a praise. He said, Blessed be God. The man was excited talking about this. And the reason for his joy and excitement, he will tell us. He said, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Somebody say, I am blessed in Christ. Say, I am blessed in Christ. Yeah. Nobody can invoke a curse on you spiritually. Take your name to where? Voter to uh, uh, north to Dahomey to where? They're wasting their time and their resources. You are blessed in Christ. Somebody say, I'm blessed in Christ. You don't have to pray even about it. You hear that somebody is taking your name somewhere. Then you declare seven days of fasting. You are wasting your food. Go and eat. Elijah told uh, the king, go and eat and drink. That's what you should do. Because it's not a prayer point. 
where you are seated. When you are in the castle and you hear that there is a, a what do you call the flagstaff house, and you hear that there is some uh, commotion somewhere, I don't think you begin to shake and shiver. Are you with me here? You begin to shake and shiver. You've heard that there's some commotion at uh, this. You won't shake. If you are at uh, Macula Central Market, maybe you may be afraid. But Flagstaff House, you know, soldiers are everywhere. Now, you too, you are seated far above principalities and powers. That's where you are. That's where you are. When that revelation hits your spirit, you are at rest. Do you know the number of visions and dreams people have had about me and given me? I would have been long buried if I had believed those things. Long buried. But when you say it, I believe in spiritual things. Thank you very much. But uh, it's not a matter of prayer. It is settled. He said, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord, who are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heaven. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5. Let's read it together. Having predestined us to add Hey, verse 6 is my point. To the praise of his grace by which he had made us. No, he will, he will make us accepted. He will make us. Someday he will accept us. Uh, when we uh, live holy, he will accept us. When we give, he will accept us. What He said he has made us accepted in the beloved. Are you in the beloved? He spoke to John and James and Peter. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And now we are in Christ, the beloved. So if he has accepted the beloved, he's accepted you also. So number two, in Christ, I have unconditional acceptance before God. Somebody say unconditional acceptance. acceptance. When you are coming to God in prayer, come with boldness and courage. Don't allow Satan to sow seeds on your mind. You have unconditional acceptance. Satan will bring what you did yesterday, what you did last week. Do you think God will accept you? Listen, it is not a function of what you did. It is a function of what Christ did. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. Say, in Christ, I have unconditional acceptance. Do you really know the kind of things people do to gain acceptance? People do all kinds of things. People buy cars, they come fuel, so they will be accepted. They wear clothes they borrowed money to buy, so they will be accepted. They do all kinds of things, and it's simply because they don't know they have already been accepted already. As for men, they will want you to do some things to impress them, but when it comes to Christ, you are accepted. There are people who have acquired, they have what they call laffa, locally acquired foreign accents, because they want to be accepted. They want to fit into a class. No, no, no. I don't need to fit into a class. I'm already in a class of my own. I'm in the class of the accepted ones. I'm in the class of the blessed ones. I'm in the class of the favored ones. Can somebody give me a better amen? Amen. Never have any sense of inferiority about yourself. The Bible said, the Lord is on my side. I will not be afraid what man will do unto me. You have unconditional acceptance. Somebody say unconditional acceptance. There are people who are living simply a lie. They have told lies about themselves, about what they live, what they do. They have told repeatedly until they have become convinced it's the truth. Yeah. 
And it's all because they went to Atisco. But when they meet you, they went to Prampe College. <laughs> and they have acquired some, if it's Opokuari, they have acquired some wrong number. Say, what is your number? You know the Opokuari people, I don't know. They give them numbers. BB something, something, AW, all of those things. Yeah, I don't know why they number them. <laughs> I didn't know human beings are numbered. But Opokuari is a great school. He went to Achisco, or like Reverend Bright in Crawford Agri College. But when, the moment they meet, they don't, ah, you know, more about those days, I was in the class of so-and-so. Meanwhile, no class day inside. <laughs> then you meet another person, oh, you know, tech, I was in Unity Hall. <laughs> no, Unity Hall. I was in Unity Hall, Anes. <laughs> <laughs> then you know you have met a liar. Because in Conti, there is no unless. I'm not communicating here. Don't live a lie. Be free. Tell people who you are. If they accept you, fine. If they don't accept you, flow. You have already been accepted in Christ. Praise God. You're accepted in Christ. You've been accepted in Christ. When I met this woman, I didn't lie to her. I told her what I wanted to do. That's all. Simple. In fact, me, if I'm actually coming to look for a wife, I will actually tell you something hoodious rather than tell you what you want to see. So when I painted a gloomy picture and she embraced it, I said, this girl will enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Unconditional acceptance. Because I want to be sure that you are accepting me, not because of my car, not because of where I live, because that could change tomorrow. Somebody can lie on you and by the time you realize you are in jail. Your address has changed from Airport Hills to Insawam. So if your acceptance is based on where you live, look at Chachujikata, uh, uh, an accomplished lawyer and all the things that happened to him. But the man is still standing. Very, very intelligent man. Find your acceptance where it matters most and it's in Christ. It's in Christ. Number three, in Christ I have redemption. Look at that. It's all Ephesians. Ephesians is a powerful book. And that is why we will teach it. The whole book. We will look at it. Ephesians verse 6 and 7. 1, 6 and 7. He says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he had made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7. Let's read it together. In whom we have saved. In whom we have oh, in whom we have redeemed redemption through his blood. Somebody have redemption. Say, I have been redeemed. In Christ, you have redemption. You have been redeemed. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. He said, he has delivered us. Colossians 1 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 14. He said, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Somebody say, I've been redeemed. I'm just introducing you to these basic concepts, but I will come to pick them up and deal with them. To be redeemed is to be bought back. To be redeemed is to be delivered. To be redeemed is to be set apart, to be spared. Redemption is very, very important. In fact, if you want to know how much you are of value to God, you have to know what price was paid for your redemption. 
In fact, I wrote something here. I said your value to God is revealed by the price he paid for your redemption. Your value to God is revealed by what? The price. Your value to God is revealed by the price he paid for your redemption. iPhone and iTel, you don't buy them at the same price. There's no way they are all I, I. They all begin with I. Why? Because one is of greater value. Do you know you are so valuable that under the old, God used animals to sort people out. But under the new, you are so valuable that he overpaid. Somebody say he overpaid. overpaid. Yeah. So don't look at yourself and think that you are cheap. I'm not cheap. I'm not cheap. Don't cheap in yourself. You are not cheap. The Bible said, do not think highly of yourself than you ought to think of yourself. But it does establish that think highly of yourself. Don't let people speak you and talk you down, make you feel that you are nothing, you are something. You are somebody precious. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 gives us a very deep revelation. First Peter, he said knowing. Somebody say knowing. I like it. I like this. Knowing. The place of knowledge in the new covenant is so important. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or or from your aimless conduct received by the truck. Now listen, look at, look, look at the Bible. What the Bible calls uh, corruptible things, you must call corruptible things. Most of us have a difficulty giving. Because money is a big issue for you. God is your law. We talk about tight, you friend. We talk about Air Force partnership. Hey, the Bible calls it knowing that you were not redeemed. With corruptible things such as silver or gold. He's not talking about Ghana CD that is depreciating fast. Silver or gold. He says, from your own conduct. But look at verse 19. Know your value. Somebody say, I'm highly valuable. Do this, I'm highly valuable. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how much was paid. For your redemption. Listen. Don't allow anybody to tell you you're under a curse. You cannot be under a curse. You'll be redeemed. The curse is permanently terminated. You cannot. Jesus was hung on the cross as a curse. That's Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 to 14. He said Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he redeem us? By being made a curse for us. How can Jesus become a curse? And you are still telling me I'm under a curse. Is it grammar you don't know or is your mind that is not working well? Christ has redeemed us. And he's not saying he will redeem. He's redeemed us. Already done, settled. You see, if uh, that thing was, how did he redeem us? Through the blood. When was the blood shed? Several years ago. And I'm walking in the reality of it today. Somebody say, I'm redeemed. If there's a challenge you have to deal with, deal with it and stop ancestral curses. Listen, under the new covenant, we talk ancestral blessings, not ancestral curses. Somebody say, I'm under ancestral blessings. That's where you belong. That's where you belong. That mindset of a curse is only in your mind. You can't find it anywhere in redemption. And listen. Under the Old Testament, one of the major differences between the Old and the New is that under the Old Testament, when the blood of an animal was shed, our redemption, they were redeemed from their sin for a period of one year. But this redemption is not one time. It's not one year. It's forever. That's why it's very difficult for somebody to convince you that once you are saved, you are not saved forever. Ah, Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews. Hebrews, oh, Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 10 to 11 and 12. I like this. Mandibo Koshabahanda. Give me the new uh, living translation. So Christ has become the high priest over the good things that have come. Somebody say, Good things have come. Ooh, somebody say, Good things have come. Yeah, but he has entered that greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven. One day I will come back and work this out in detail so we can appreciate it. But in the Old Testament, the priests would go into the Holy of Holies and that is where he offered the sacrifice. The high priest, that's what he was doing. When Jesus came, he did not offer the sacrifice on earth. You remember when he appeared to Mary and Mary wanted to say, touch me not for I'm yet to appear before the Father. He had to go and present the blood, which was the seal of the redemption. Bible says, not in a tabernacle, but a more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which is not made by human hands and is not part of the created world. Look at verse 12. With his own blood. Somebody say his own blood. We are not talking about animals. We are not talking about goats here. With his own blood. He entered in the most holy place. How many times? Once every year? Twice every month? He entered in once for all and secured our redemption for how have you been redeemed? Forever! 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 You are eternally redeemed. The price has been paid. Praise God! Praise God! The price is eternally paid forever. Secure our redemption forever. Are you enjoying this? In Christ, I have forgiveness. Somebody have forgiveness. Say, I have forgiveness. You have forgiveness of sins. You have it. You have it. You don't pray to get it. You have it. Somebody say, I have it. Yeah. I have an iPad. It's not a prayer point. Father, give me an iPad. No. I have iPad. If I need iPad, I just take it. Am I communicating here? Uh-huh. So when you need forgiveness, Lord, thank you that I have forgiveness. I lied about somebody. The Spirit of God convicted me of my righteousness. Father, thank you that I have forgiveness. And it's, it settles it. It's not a uh, no long prayer. No, 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 no. Thank you, I have it. So I take it. Listen, Satan must not be allowed to keep you in bondage over anything you have ever committed. Past, present, or future. Even for one day. Why you do that, you have abused the blood of Christ. It's an insult to be living under guilt. It's an insult to be living in bondage of condemnation. Feeling bad about yourself because you committed an abortion one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, or even last month. Even if you did it yesterday, today, there's redemption, there's forgiveness for you. Can somebody say an amen? Shout an amen. I have forgiveness. That's it. He said, look at that. He says that we have forgiveness of sin. The same Ephesians. That's what I'm telling you. Ephesians is a great book. The riches of the believer's inheritance is loaded in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. He said, in whom we have redemption, verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness is there. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins somebody say the forgiveness of sins you see you know David was a prophet how many of you know David was a prophet the Bible talks about David as a prophet he was a priest David is a typical typology of Christ he was a priest he was a prophet and he was a king now David 
in his prophetic ministry, he gave a lot of prophecies about the birth of Christ. And in Psalm 103, he gave a prophetic picture. He was just praising God and he was praising God for redemption. He said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, Psalm 103. And forget not all his benefits. Then he began to outline them. Who forgiven all thy iniquities. Wow, baby. Forgiven all thy iniquities. Who healed all thy disease. Who redeemed thy life from destruction. Who crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. Psalm 103 verse 1 to, 103 verse 1 to 3. Who redeemed thy life. He forgiven all thy iniquities. In Christ, I have forgiveness. Somebody say, I have forgiveness. To what extent is the forgiveness? You have forgiveness for your past sins. You have forgiveness for your present sins. You have forgiveness for your future sins. So there is no time where you have to be held in bondage ever again. Now I understand what the Bible says. Sin cannot have dominion over you. Sin cannot. I cannot be living in guilt. Because sin cannot have dominion over me. Why? Because I receive the forgiveness even for the future one. Now listen. When we talk about forgiveness, a lot of people can accept it. But the part I realize a lot of people have a difficulty accepting is the future one. They say, ah, ah if the sin I've not committed, he say I've been forgiven. Then I could just as well do whatever I want to do. No. That is the truth. That, you see, do you know why some people will do certain things and they cannot confess? Because they are not guaranteed forgiveness. Now let me tell you something. If I did something and I need to confess to Akitetesia, uh, I have to be sure in my mind that he will forgive me. And he won't use it against me. Are you with me? Now, if I can have that assurance, I will confess. So you see, confession of sin is not what brings forgiveness. Confession of sin is made possible because there is guaranteed forgiveness. <laughs> Did <you> get it? <laughs> there is guaranteed forgiveness. How come you have not gone confessing your sin to everybody? Because you are not sure they will forgive you. But when you come to God, he said, I have been for forgiveness. In Christ, you have forgiveness. So when you sin, you can openly talk about it with God. Am I communicating somebody at all? We don't confess to be forgiven. We confess because we are forgiven. We have been forgiven. That's scripture. One major distinguishing feature between the old and the new is not sin. Sin will be in the new. Sin will be. Let me show you a scripture. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 to 12. Libran Bikazogalabahando She. Zebra speaking tones for a moment as we go to Hebrews. Labrando Kosiva Legra de Bahada Gazota Brandaba. Bazubre de Kabahandasa. Thank you, Spirit of God. Hebrews 8, 7 to 12. Let's look at it. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second one. Alright? Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, and says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, and by extension to the Gentiles. Verse 9. That not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and disregarded them, says the Lord. Alright? Now verse 10. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. Somebody say, my laws in their mind. 
And I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their, and they shall be mine. You know, under the old covenant, in their walk with God, there were times where God said, Moses, your people. You remember God said that? He said, this your people are just annoying me. But when it comes to the new, he says, they will be my people. Somebody say, I'm God's own. Is it not beautiful? That's what Peter caught the revelation. He said, you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Somebody say, I belong to God. Now go to verse 11. None of them shall teach his neighbor nor his brother saying, no, the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Now don't take it out of context and say, I don't need a pastor. None shall teach. No, that's not the context. <laughs> now look at verse 12 and verse 12 is the deal is a, a deal clean so, for I will be I will be to their and their sins and their lawful deeds I will remember I will remember I will remember under the old there was always remembrance of sin every year there was remembrance but under the new I will remember them no more no more. So listen, that means it's wrong to confess or speak about something you did to God twice. I will remember no more. And I like it. He said, for I will be merciful unto the unrighteousness. Now, listen, it means that even under the old covenant, in the new covenant, people will say mess up. And God has made arrangements for their mess up. Yeah. I will remember them no more. Remember them no more. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I mean, this morning around four, when I picked my scripture, I was looking at uh, the prodigal son, which is the beauty of grace. You look at the story and it's so beautiful. I was just meditating in forgiveness. You know, the father did every, pronounced every blessing that he wanted to pronounce before the guy even finished what he wanted to say. It's as if the confession was not necessary. Let's look at it. I think it will help somebody. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 17 to 24. Briefly. <laughs> Reverend Bright is laughing because he's seen it also. Very powerful. Luke chapter 15. Give me the, uh, the new living translation. He said, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the higher servant have food enough to spare. And here I'm dying of hunger. You see, that's why your sense must work. And your sense must be scripturally sound. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now look at verse. I will go home. Turn to your neighbor. It's time to go home. And I'm sure that word is for somebody. Yeah. You've been running away from God. It's time to come home. Yeah. <laughs> I said you've been running away from God. It's time to where? Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. He who are weary, come home. Oh, da, 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 da. Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner. Come home. Then he says... I will go home to my father and say, this guy was too sin-conscious. Too sin-conscious. He said, I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. Now go to verse number. <laughs> and I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Listen, you have sinned against heaven, I agree. But where you are going, you are trespassing. That you sin against me does not mean that you have ceased to be my son. My DNA is in you. I'm not communicating here. That's it. He said, I'm no longer ready to be called, but take me now as one of your hired servants. Because he didn't know his identity. But verse 20. So he returned home to his father. 
And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. What was this guy looking for? Love and affection. That was bestowed upon him before he was even heard. And when you go on, it's like that. When he was talking about all of those things he rehearsed, the father is like, Tell In my mind, that's how I see the picture. So he returned to his father. Verse 21, look at this. Then his son said to him, Your father has embraced you, kissed you, and is taking you. Ah, ah, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer. Ah, the Bible said he embraced his son. Oh, and the son is saying, I'm no longer your son. He embraced him, kissed him as his son. He said, I'm no longer. So the father, you know, the father didn't make any comment. It's amazing. When I saw it this morning, I was, I was blown away. The father made no comment about what he said because it was not relevant. In the New Testament, I'll remember your sins no more. All I need you, come home. And when you come home, you will sort out. If you were home, all this nonsense will not have happened. It's because you left home. Now you are back home. Let's forget about what happened and concentrate on what can come out of you. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Stop living in your bad past. Yes. Satan has kept you in bondage to your past. Verse 22. Limba but his father said to his servant, quick! Somebody say quick. He, the father did not attend to him. He said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet. Verse 23. And kill the calf we have been fattening. The day you left, we started fattening it. We set it apart. We must celebrate with a feast. For this, my son, of mine was dead. Is that not what the Bible says? That likewise there is joy in heaven. When one sinner returns home, this my son was dead, but now he's alive. 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 That's so the party began. Turn to your neighbor and say, Let the party begin. The party began. The party began. The party began. Party time. Party, 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 party time. Take your seat for a moment. Let me just drop the last one and I'll close. Praise the Lord. That's why you should never ever run away from God. When you are sick, you go to the doctor who has your drug that can cure you. Or the, the pharmacist who can give you the drug that can cure you. Satan has not got the cure to sin. The sin problem was answered in Christ. And as long as you come to Christ... He doesn't look at what sin you committed. He looks at the blood. He looks at the blood. He looks at the blood. You come, you are recounting a committed abortion. He said, look at the blood. He said, I stole somebody's money. He said, look at the blood. All of it was nailed to him on the cross with the blood. Number six, in Christ, I have justification from God. Somebody say, I have justification from God. You are justified. Look at this. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are justified, somebody say we are justified. <laughs> they are playing justifiers. They say that in football, right? Yes. 
He said, therefore, since we have been made right, since we have been justified, because there are some meanings there, uh-huh, since we have been justified, what does it mean to be justified? That is acquitted of sin. Somebody say acquitted. Uh-huh. Some of the lawyers here will understand these things better. Acquitted, declared blameless before God by faith. Let us grasp the fact. Somebody say grasp it. Uh-huh. Because your mind cannot understand that. We have peace with God. The joy of reconciliation with him through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To be justified is to be made right. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your fault. He doesn't. doesn't. Your husband has pointed all the faults in your life that those that are not even there, now you are believing they are there. Because all of us, we have weaknesses and we are aware of our weaknesses. That's why we don't need people telling us about our weaknesses because we know them. Usually what people don't know are their strengths. They can point your weaknesses to you uh, until you don't see any value in yourself. Then all of a sudden you begin to see yourself the way they see you. You're right. Somebody say, I'm right. To be justified means you are declared not guilty. Somebody say, I'm not guilty. You are not guilty. Why? Really, were you not guilty? You were guilty. But he made him to be guilty who was not guilty, that you will be made not guilty before God. See, when we talk about justification, we are talking about the justice of God. The justice of God has to be answered by all means. The soul that sinned must die. So when you sin, you are supposed to die. But God didn't want to kill you. He loved you too much that he didn't want to kill you. So he said, I'm going to be one of them. I will kill myself for them. (laughs) <laughs> so he took on the form of a man and he became a man and he hung on the cross and then he died as man when he came he was not a sinner Second Corinthians 5.21 he said he made him to be sin who knew no sin it's a swap somebody say a saint <laughs> so I'm a sinner he's a saint he takes my place I take his place so that's why we say you are a saint when you say you are righteous that we are simply saying it's not, it's not what you have done because you look at yourself and you see things are still not straight. There's a small, small, small lies there. And Satan wants to play that on you and make you feel like, no, because of that you are not accepted before. It's a lie. You don't stand before God in your right. You stand before God in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Can somebody say an amen? That's who you are. You are justified. Now, I like it in Romans chapter 8 verse 35. He said, who shall lay a charge to God's elect? Who shall? Because, you see, when we say you are justified, it means all charges leveled against you have been set aside. You have been discharged of all charges. Verse 33. Verse 33. The King James Version says, Who shall lay a charge? Who can accuse you before God? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that what? It is God that what? It is God that justifies. It is God. And he settled the matter. Now look, look at this with me as I close. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. Knowing. Somebody, I've been walking you through some scriptures that has to do with knowing, knowing, knowing. Galatians 2 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. But by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we who have believed in Christ. That we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Not by the works of the law. But by the works of the law. Shall no man be. Shall no man be nobody all through life can ever stand before God in their own righteousness. No. No. But the works of the Lord, no man shall be justified for it is evident. 
It's not possible. Have you been blessed this morning? Stand on your feet and begin to give God thanks. Give him thanks. You want to say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to the Lord. I didn't know that this was what had been done for me in Christ. But now my eyes have been opened. I want to respond to it. I want to receive the gift of Christ in my life. You are here like that. You want to make that commitment to God. Lift up your hands to God. You want to make that commitment to God. Lift up your hands to God. For anyone online who desires encounter, maybe you are online now or you watch the video later, you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, let's take this confession together as they do it with us. Father, I thank you. I believe that Jesus died for me and I confess him with my mouth as my Lord and Savior. With my heart, I believe. With my mouth, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. By faith, I declare that I'm saved. I'm a new Christian in Christ. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Pastor Afraqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi. Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Never be the same. Never be the same.